Welcome to Man Talk. Everything you wanted to know about men's health, but were afraid to ask. Hi, thanks for tuning in to Man Talk, the show that attempts to answer your personal questions with qualified professionals on a variety of subjects that concern most of our listeners. My name is Stuart, the voice of reason, along with my brilliant co-host, Michael, the voice of choice. We will inform, educate, make you laugh, and give you insight into the sometimes complicated world of men's health. You're not alone out there in what you're experiencing or feeling. There's a band of brothers out there going through the same stuff. So listen up, guys and gals, and get ready to learn, live, and enjoy your life. And above all, try to flush those cares away. Today's guest on Man Talk Radio is Dr. Dale Stott. Dr. Scott has been involved in the diagnosis and treatment of pain of all types for three decades. In today's show, we'll find, we will be discussing back and neck pain, issues common to many of us as we get older. Welcome, Dr. Stott. Please tell us a bit about your background. Thanks, Stuart. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, I did my medical training at the University of Arizona College of Medicine and then uh, residency in anesthesiology at University of California, Davis in Sacramento. Um, and did my pain training there as well. And uh, I'm board certified in anesthesiology and in pain medicine and have practiced for 30 years. Well, I'm a wildcat from U of A also. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Go cats. Bear down. Bear down, Arizona. That's right. <laughs> Dr. Stout, what are the most common symptoms of back pain among men over 60? And tell us a little bit about the various causes. Well, I mean... Primarily, the most common symptom of back pain is back pain, but oftentimes <laughs> types of back pain. Oftentimes, hey, oftentimes associated with leg pain as well. Um, typical causes of back pain uh, in people over the age of sixty are spinal stenosis, which is a narrowing of the spinal column that causes pressure on the nerves as they pass through the spine, and oftentimes makes it difficult for them to walk any distance or stand up straight for long periods of time without experiencing back pain and often leg pain as well. Uh, other common causes of back pain are disc herniations in the back um, that can uh, frequently press on nerves and cause pain downstream like sciatica. And other very common causes are arthritis in the lower back, which causes kind of a dull ache in the back, like having a toothache, but in the back. And uh, that's often caused by arthritis of the facet joints, which kind of hold the spine together. Arthritis of the what? Facet joints, which are small joints in the lower back that uh, help support the spine and oftentimes become uh, inflamed and irritated over time. And, and as they do and develop um, joint pain, you develop low back pain. I think that almost every man on over 60 that I know has experienced some level of back pain, either chronic that's been going on for years and years, or uh, gets something getting worse by a sports injury. Well, yeah, especially if you're kind of a what they call weekend athlete, you know, you suddenly get out there and do something that you're probably overdoing. That's probably and you. No, not me. I'm a, I'm a weekday and weekend athlete. Oh, 24-7, Stuart. There you go. <laughs> Energizer, Stuart. Yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, you know, it's an issue that uh, pretty much um, overlaps a variety of age groups. You can be younger and have back pain, too. But I guess as we age, as Dr. Stott points out, it's going to get either more chronic or um, show up more often. 
Yeah, and you see different things as we age. And young people, we don't commonly see arthritis as much. And so it's not a wear and tear disease in young people. We often see more acute injuries like a disc herniation in young people. Uh, as we get older, we're more prone to the chronic degenerative type disease in our spine as our discs dry out and we shrink a little bit and um, bone spurs form and they put pressure on nerves and lots of wear and tear. I, I, I would think that that's like extremely common. The, Very. That common complaint. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I would 85% of people experience back pain in their life at some time or the other. And the other 15% are, are stoic. <laughs> so I don't know. So what do most common. people do? I mean, on a daily basis, if they're experiencing some discomfort, what do they do to treat it themselves before seeing a guy like yourself? Sure. I mean, ice, heat, you hear about that? Right. Both those can be helpful. Ice typically in the acute phase right after an injury is helpful to reduce inflammation. Heat helps relax the muscles as they are tight after an injury has occurred. So you can kind of alternate those two. Uh, Anti-inflammatory drugs like uh, um, ibuprofen or naproxen are oftentimes used and can be helpful, especially in arthritic conditions. Um, don't often really help a lot with with uh, spinal stenosis or with uh, disc herniations, but they can be helpful with arthritis. Should we be doing any stretching of any kind? I mean, some relaxed stretching, not strenuous stretching? To yeah, kind of I mean, it? a little bit of stretching can be helpful. Oftentimes, it's really hard to stretch when you're having acute lumbar pain that uh, causes spasm in the muscles. Stretching's tough, but some good stretches are, are recommended. Piriformis stretch, uh, just gentle stretching the lumbar spine, hamstrings, helpful. Um, typically, after an injury in the lower back, rest active active rest you know that basically avoiding lifting heavy objects in a bad position um and uh some anti-inflammatories like we described and ice and heat are pretty typical uh, so, so as far as anti-inflammatories i know a lot of um older folks uh Stuart and i are friends with uh, take turmeric you know anything about that not much honestly that's just an over-the-counter thing that they might do that i don't have a lot of experience with that some people have in, uh, stomach issues with anti-inflammatories. Very true. I, I took some of the turmeric the other day, and I'm still paying the price of my stomach. It's way worse. Yeah, I, I couldn't speak to that. I don't know. What about um, sleeping on a bed that's perhaps either too soft or too hard? Is there any impact of that going on? Nothing chronically. I mean, nothing long-term, but in certainly, certainly in the short term, we've all experienced going to a hotel and the bed is not what we're used to and we wake up with back pain in the morning. That type of back pain usually resolves as the day goes by um, because it's just positional, mostly. Well, that, that brings up a question um, that uh, there's been a lot of conversation about is how, the position that you sleep in, right. on your side, on your back, on your stomach. Are there any, as far yeah. as protecting your back, is there a better way? It makes a difference for people. Oftentimes, and each person's kind of individual in that regard, what feels best to them. Typically, uh, if you lay on your back, uh, putting a pillow underneath the knees is helpful to kind of give you some support there and help take the pressure off your lumbar spine, flatten out your lordosis a little bit. And is sleeping on your stomach bad for your back? Most people can't do it, really, as they get older because it's, it's, it's difficult for them. Um, it's difficult to sleep on their stomach? Yeah, because it, it puts a little strain on the lumbar spine, so that's not usually an easy way to go. So is sleeping in the so-called fetal position a good... Yeah, that's not a bad way to go with a pillow between the knees and a sideline. 
uh, or on the back with a pillow underneath the knees, both pretty effective ways. Interesting. Uh, the, uh, you know, the back pain, my back pain story started, well, it started and ended 12 years ago. Uh, oh, it didn't end yet. It what? <laughs> it didn't end yet. You're still kicking. <laughs> oh, it didn't end yet. Uh, it's my hearing that's the problem now, yeah. not my back. Uh, I was I was on Labor Day, and I, I, I had a second shot. I was out on the golf course, and I had a second shot, and it was either going to be a hard eight or an easy seven. And I decided for the hard eight, and I kind of my body kind of froze in the position after I put the ball. It was really a great shot, too. Uh, somehow I was carted off the course. I got home. Over the next three weeks, I saw doctors, uh, physiatrists, which we'll talk about what type of doctor will back to that maybe in a minute and they did um, medication pain medication they tried shots uh, cortisone shots and nothing helped and three and a half weeks later I was on the table and uh, had a neurosurgeon uh, do a disectomy and a laminectomy lower uh-huh. lower I don't remember L what L two three whatever. some kind of ectomy I had a couple of ectomies the and, most and, common but then, levels. But it worked. I had I haven't had a back lower back problem since. Great. Um, I do take the the, the seven iron now though. <laughs> the eight iron. Probably advisable. Well, it sounds like what you had was a disc herniation, and a disc herniation is really common. Sometimes it occurs with sports injuries. That's not uncommon. It can happen with a sneeze or a cough. Anything that increases the pressure in the spine and can cause a disc to push outward, that's a disc herniation. And when it puts pressure on a nerve, that causes a problem because you get pain oftentimes down the leg as well as in the back. <clears throat> and uh, there's you mentioned a variety of treatments that are often used, rest, pain medication, uh, injections with corticosteroids, like cortisone-type injection in the spine. Those oftentimes can alleviate the inflammation, even though they don't fix the disc herniation, they take take the pain down enough that you can heal over time. When those don't work, surgery is sometimes the answer. And um, a discectomy where they remove the disc that's protruding outward and a laminectomy where they remove a little bit of bone to get to that disc is oftentimes uh, a common procedure for this. I've undergone that myself a couple times. So, so I thought it was interesting that prior to my surgery, I had never, I really hadn't had back issues. And so talking about surgery had never been anything that, came right. up on my radar. However, I had many friends and family who had back problems and and were either had had surgery and it was not successful or they were in great fear of surgery, what, whether it would work or not. Has there, in diagnosing and imaging, has there been a change in the last 25, 35 For sure. years Absolutely. In, in how, how your profession views and, and can analyze what's wrong with us to get to the right conclusion? Yes. Um, the, the specialty of pain, man- man- pain management is a relatively new specialty uh, over the last 30 or 40 years, and it's, it's advanced quite a bit in its ability to diagnose and treat spine problems. One of those things is to be able to identify the pain generator accurately so that when they do operate, if they do operate, they operate on the correct source. And one of the problems with, with surgery is that oftentimes um, – we're treating the wrong problem. You know, the pain is actually generated from one disc and we're thinking the other, another disc is the problem because it looks bad. Uh, pain management uh, specialists are able to do x-ray guided injections that identify the source of the pain accurately and help give information to the surgeon uh, to help guide their treatment. And also the advancement of MRI scans 
helps us identify as well the potential source of pain. So if we're accurate about deciding on where the pain is actually coming from, usually the treatment is, is pretty effective. So would you say that uh, the success, I guess, however you measure success of back surgery, no more pain afterward and the patient's not debilitated anymore, would you say it's much greater odds of, of surgery um, helping a yeah, patient today than 30 years ago? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. The advancements in microsurgery have, have made difference that, you know, now what they do under a microscope, very tiny incision, uh, less trauma, less inflammation post-surgical, people in and out of the hospital much quicker, better results. Certainly there's been advancements. Um, I think also they've decided to tackle things that they wouldn't have tackled before, you know, like scoliosis correction surgery for people that are somewhat older. Uh, you know, and some of those uh, have been successful and some not so successful. So, you know, when you talk to people who've had back surgery, you're going to get the gamut. You're going you're gonna to hear all over the board of some people raving about their success they had and others bemoaning the fact that they ever saw a surgeon. But I would say on the whole, the surgeries have improved dramatically over the last 25 years and success rates are higher. Great. Uh, as you know, we take questions here at Mantalk by email. Stuart, what's that email address? That email address would be mantalkradio.net. Questions at mantalkradio.net. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. One day you get that right. Yeah, well, you know, well, it'll take me time. We, we have Roger from Rochester writes, <clears throat> I have a long <throat> history of scoliosis, which you just spoke about, and degenerative disc disease. I'm 73 years old. My doctor's recommending my having an ablation of the facet joints in my back or spine. I, it seems they use two rounds of troubleshooting injections to see whether they help, and if so, go in and burn the nerves that are being impinged to relieve my pain. He says this may last a year. Is this a routine procedure? It sounds pretty scary to me. It is actually a very routine procedure. It's called um, radiofrequency ablation of the medial branch nerves, which is to supplying the facet joints. Uh, I've had it done myself. It's very effective. Um, it's quite non-invasive really the only thing is there are some needles placed in the back and over over the nerves that supply the facet joints they are numbed on two separate occasions to verify that that's the source of the pain and then once that pain has been identified as coming from the facet joints they are treated with radio waves that act like a microwave and heat that nerve and they cauterize a segment of that nerve that stops the signal of pain from traveling to the brain um, it doesn't actually repair the joint, but it stops it from hurting. And people are able to go about their way. That often lasts for a year or more and can really give some effective relief without having an incision or going to the hospital or having major major downtime. How long do these typically last if they're successful? One to two years is not uncommon at all. My first one lasted five years, um, and I'm going on a couple a year of my last one. So Interesting. Thank you. So Roger from Rochester's on the right. He's on the right path, it sounds like, yeah. Okay. Stuart, another question? We do, actually. Jack from Pittsburgh writes, I love your show. I am a 57-year-old, and I hate gardening. Unfortunately, my wife loves it. A couple of weeks ago, she asked me to move some planted pots, big, heavy ones, to another spot in our yard. A couple of days later, I have a huge strain in my back. What is it? How can I make it go away? Ice and ibuprofen aren't helping much. Well, it sounds like he has a lumbar strain. Uh, if he does not have pain down the leg or numbness or tingling or weakness, um, then it's probably, 
primarily in the back and the lumbar strain, although it's impossible for me to say without more information. Oftentimes these problems go away on their own with, with active rest and a little bit of time. Um, when they don't go away and ice and ibuprofen are ineffective, then it's important to get uh, more diagnostic information such as an MRI scan, x-rays, try and identify and see if there's a more severe problem or serious problem. Okay, thank you. Uh, another question from Matt in Moline, Illinois. Matt writes, I was bending over tying my shoes and heard a crack somewhere in my back. I've now got a shooting, stabbing toe pain. Toe pain? Yes. Um, actually, that's not uncommon. The nerves in the back obviously start in the spine and then travel down the lower extremities. Uh, all the way to the toe? All the way to the toe. I mean, every every part of our body needs innervation with nerves. And so when they have pain into the toe, that's often a sign of a sciatic problem or a, a nerve impingement problem much higher up in the spine. He very well likely has uh, a disc pressing on a nerve in the spine that's causing referred pain all the way down the leg and uh, into the toe, and that's not uncommon. So this is from tying your shoe. I, th I thought Stewart had a much simpler... Loafers, that's yeah, the key. Yeah, wear loafers. <laughs> right, that's why they call loafers. Life for old guys that... You don't even have to bend over. Dr. Bendover, that was another show he did. Well, Remember that? tune into that show. Yeah, You're Dr. Bendover. Yeah. Anyway, here's another question from Paul in Indianapolis. I am an avid 71-year-old tennis player. While playing last week, I hit a hard overhead shot and felt a strong strain immediately afterwards. I'm still doubled over in pain, and this happened yesterday. I've been icing, but I'm in big trouble. What should I do? Well, I'm not quite clear on where his pain is, but um, an overhead shot, you know, could be anywhere from a shoulder neck problem or, or into the back, upper back. Um, typically, I give it a little bit of time and uh, ice, heat, rest and then non-steroidal anti-inflammatories such as ibuprofen, Tylenol. If that doesn't do the trick, then again, get some diagnostic studies like x-rays first. Take up a different sport, you know, yeah, get tennis. Go pickleball, that's my recommendation. <laughs> Bocce ball or something. We have a few minutes left here, and I think that we'd like to change channels now and uh, talk a little bit about neck pain, which... Yeah, uh, let's Dr. change Stott the conversation and talk about neck pain. We know again, and this is a very common issue among senior men from what I've heard, Dr. Stott is neck pain as common a problem as back pain. And tell us a little about the types of issues and their causes. Yeah, back, back pain and neck pain are, are both extremely common. Back pain may be slightly more common than neck pain for reasons to visit a physician. But neck pain certainly can be debilitating. There's a couple different kinds of neck pain. Neck pain that refers down the arm as well. Uh, again, this is like in, this, in the lower back for the spine. It's impinging oftentimes on nerves that travel to the hand, the arm. And so when you get hand and arm pain and shoulder pain, oftentimes that's referred from the neck. And so that's, that's called radicular pain, cervical radiculitis. That can be treated with cervical epidural steroid injections, sometimes traction. Um, where, where, where does the expression, you're a pain in the neck, come from? Marriage, typically. That's where that comes that, from. That's, a, that's I, I thought, what we thought. I thought it was more like a pain in the arse, you know. Isn't that something <laughs> That's else? lower south. It's down, <laughs> down in anatomy. Stuart, do we have some questions here about neck pain? Yeah, we do, in fact. Um, and again, you know, why don't you tell us where we send those email questions to, Michael? That would be questions, plural, at mantalkradio.net. 
All right, here's a question from Sam in Washington. Sam writes, I'm a 58-year-old with a desk job. I basically sit hunched over a computer for at least half my day. I've been doing this for the last 17 years. My neck seems to get stiffer as the years go on. My wife is insisting that I see someone, but who do I see? A chiropractor, orthopedic guy, or what? Okay, so it sounds like what he's experiencing may be myofascial pain syndrome, where you're sitting at a computer spending a lot of time with your muscles tensed, hunched over, and that oftentimes can cause muscular pain. May also have some. He may also have some underlying neck issues related to discs or arthritis or whatnot. But that's hard to say. Um, a good place to start is a pain specialist or a physical medicine rehab specialist, also known as a physiatrist. Uh, pain specialists uh, typically come from two different branches of medicine. One, anesthesiology. Uh, oftentimes, uh, pain specialist is an anesthesiologist. The other half are physical medicine rehab docs or physiatrists. Um, both of these docs are well prepared to identify the source of pain, help you figure out what's causing it and what to do for it. And they are typically non-invasive. Um, they would refer to a surgeon only when uh, surgery is indicated. I've never heard of uh, anesthesiology until we, we met. Uh, for the show, uh, I always thought anesthesiology was simply in an, in an, in an operating room. Yeah, well, um, that is often true for anesthesiologists to practice general anesthesiology, but um, there are subspecialties of anesthesiology, and one of them is pain management. And their practice is quite different, and it's an office-based practice, and they see musculoskeletal problems like neck and back pain and do diagnostic injections, uh, oftentimes radiofrequency ablation, like we talked about earlier in the show, where they cauterize nerves. Sometimes they implant spinal cord stimulators for chronic pain. Um, they do all different types of treatments of pain, just like physiatrists. Pain specialists oftentimes come from one or both of, one or both of these specialties. I have a question. Are there any exercises, both for neck and or back pain, that we can do to kind of help prevent these things from happening? I think in general, just keeping your resistance exercises are helpful. Keep your muscles strong. Range of motion exercises are good. I can't give you one exercise that's perfect for both, um, but um, there are definitely the Williams lower back exercises are excellent for keeping the back flexible and strong, um, and those are fairly simple. And I heard building the core is very important and strengthening the core. Does that help reduce? Absolutely. The- and when we're talking about the core, we're talking the abdominal muscles and, and the central part of the body. It's like tent stakes. You know, if your lower back muscles are, if your abdominal muscles are weak, then your lower back muscles have to tense more to keep your spine upright. And so it's good to strengthen the abdominal core. It keeps things balanced and much it makes it much less likely to be injured. We have a couple more questions here. Uh, one is from uh, Hugh in Houston, Texas, and Hugh writes, I sleep on my stomach and have my whole life. I think we've covered this. Uh, I'm 76. My neck doesn't seem to have much mobility anymore. I mean, I can't turn around like I used to. My wife says it's from how I sleep. Can this be true? I'm really hoping she's not because I've tried to sleep in other positions, never with much success. Well, as we talked about, you know, some certain positions sleeping maybe put a more strain on your back or neck than others. If he's comfortable sleeping on his stomach and has slept that way his whole life, I don't think it's uh, imperative that he changes that, especially if that's the only way he can sleep. So, um, You is lucky. <laughs> you is lucky. Yeah. Here's one more question, Michael, from Biff in Indiana. I am a 56-year-old long-haul truck driver. I spend over 40 hours a week driving my rig and have been doing this for 22 years. 
My neck is really tight, like I can't move it hardly at all. I know it is from driving, but no, don't know how to improve my discomfort and still be able to work. What should I be doing differently? Sounds like Biff needs to see, see a doc about his neck. It's time probably to get imaging studies and figure out why his neck is so stiff. Um, most likely the vibration of the road has probably played a role, and truck drivers oftentimes have to go long haul in very tense situations, which can put pressure on neck as well. Maybe you should get an Uber driver to help drive the truck. No yeah. advertisements. How about Lyft? Oh, oh, How about Lyft? How about oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> okay. If you're out there listening, we, we're, we are looking for advertisers, right, Stuart? Absolutely. So are, are there issues that we should just, or, or things that we can just avoid? We talked about strengthening core and, and other strengthening yeah. exercises. Are there general things to, to uh, help us avoid as opposed to be injured and treat? Or are there just things as we age? I mean, most of these things are product of aging, you know, and they're, they're just going to happen. You can injure yourself sneezing and coughing, like I said. So avoid that. I'd say smoking would be one of the key things to avoid because it does increase coughing spells very often. And oftentimes smokers do very poorly after surgery because they do cough a lot. And coughing increases the pressure in the spine. It also decreases the blood flow to the discs and um, makes it more likely to get degenerative disc disease. So if I would say one thing to avoid, it would be smoking. Wow, I didn't think that that would come up. Well, we've had uh, this has been very interesting. When when uh, Stuart and I spoke with Doctor Stott about subjects for shows, the, we asked him what the first two subjects that would be the most important in in, in uh, pain in the pain management realm. And the first show that was pretty obvious to us it was going to be back and neck pain. So you know we appreciate the input. The next show is going to be all about shingles. Shingles is uh, something you don't want to have, the adult chicken pox. Uh, and, and we have an entire show coming up next week with Dr. Stott, uh, which should be very interesting. Because talk about pain. From what I've heard, shingles could be very, very painful. Yeah, I think it's definitely a show that everyone uh, over 50 or 60 is going to want to listen to. Um, there's a lot of new information. I've had shingles twice, and I didn't know much about it. In the meantime, for Stuart, this is Michael. And Stuart, be happy. Be healthy, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. The information presented in this program is provided for general information purposes only and is not, nor is it intended to be, nor is it a substitute for professional medical advice and treatment. This program is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or injury. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this program. You should always consult a doctor or other health care provider for individual professional medical advice regarding your own health situation. This program is a production of Mantalk Radio, LLC. Copyright Mantalk Radio, LLC, 2019, all rights reserved. We're Michael and Stewart with Mantalk on Radio St. George 100.3 FM. Submit your questions ahead of time to questions at mantalkradio.net. Re-listen or watch again, search Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher for Radio St. George or RadioStGeorge.com. We'll see you next week for another edition of Man Talk.